You're listening to the Imperfect Allies podcast. <laughs> Me neither, bro. Like at all. At all. Like, because I think, and I wonder if you're, see if you're similar in this. Do most people that you work with, you go, you meet them and your level of respect is high already. Like, so you, you, you start at a high baseline with them. Always. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what I do. And I get, <laughs> I get screwed over so many times because people. Yeah. Don't do that. They do not. You got to, even if you earn their respect, oftentimes, like if it's like some HR thing or, or like, uh, the vice president said this, like they'll throw all that away. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, the last place was probably the best that I had been as far as like the people around me, mm-hmm. but I was a contractor, you know? And, you know, so I'm sitting in a place where I'm making more money than I've ever made, but I'm not, I'm still not, it's not satisfied. I don't, I can't, yeah. my strengths aren't, yeah, my strengths aren't being utilized and it's, um, the way that the other people work and the way that it's traditionally gone is as a place is there's all the stuff that I'm just not any good at and the things mm. I am good at, I don't get to highlight um, because the, like I'm, I'm very good at like, or at least I'm competent at um, innovation and um, like continue, it's called continual service improvement where we, we uh, map out processes. Anyway, it, it I'm, I'm, I'm better. I think at the conceptual stuff than I am at the practical mm-hmm. stuff. And, mm-hmm. but that flips when I do, when I'm on stage, like that flips, like I'm better at the practical stuff than I am at like, right. feel like I'm writing material or whatever else. So mm-hmm. it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know where that is, but anyway, I just, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, this is not a bad, it's not a bad job. I mean, there's people that have lots of bad jobs that like make way, way less, mm-hmm. uh, but I just feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting sick and it's um, the two jobs ago, I was there for four years and I had to go to the hospital twice oh, One wow. because one because uh, uh, I was planning to end my life. Mm. And it's like, it's, I was so sick and so, so, so depressed and anxious. And, and I went into this hospital and um, I got a lot of really good help and, and uh, I went back to work and it was going okay. And the same patterns were going on and on, just like a level of disrespect, communication breakdowns, not utilizing mm-hmm. me and my strengths, making, you know, the job was to do this other thing and, and um, ended up going in again and then quitting as soon as I came back because I just couldn't work there anymore. Mm-hmm. That's uh, killing. And, and so, yeah. And so I started looking for other jobs and found, and then I, I worked for four day for a couple of years and then that couldn't, I just couldn't pay the bills, what they're paying me. And then um, kind of hopped into where I'm at now. And I don't know, man, I just don't, it's like, um, I don't know how to operate with my skill set in, in the societies that I've been operating. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. Oh, my yeah. skill set is more has to do with like, um, creativity and um i don't know and i i you know i'm surrounded by creative so i and i hear all the time like people are broke and they don't you know and and why why monetize these things and why but at the same time like i don't i just i'm not any good i'm not any good in an office i'm not even at the house i'm not i'm not good at this corporate america stuff Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm not political. I'm, I just, I'll speak my mind, whether that's positive or negative. Like I'll, I'll just give people compliments and point it out and they feel, they feel overexposed or, you know what I mean? Or, or I'll stand up yeah. to a, a vice president and they'll be like, you can't do that here. You know, why? Cause you, you've hired, what have you hired me to do? You've hired me to do this job mm-hmm. and you're to do that job. I've got to tell you these things, but they don't, you know, so it's like this weird duplicity and I don't know. It's tricky. I mean, mean, (laughs) well, I mean, I think it's safe to say if you are someone that is finding a liking in a non-civilized world, it says something about yourself and the mm. and, and the the civilization and and society you're in as well. Is it might not be as yoked as you wish it was. Um, mm. And I think it's really hard too because the rat race is the the reality that you have to keep the wheel spinning. You know that's mm-hmm. that's when it gets tough because because um, you do have to pay the bills. You do have to do those things, and unfortunately. Mm the spaces that might lift us up the most there's no money for 98 <laughs> percent yeah of yeah those the people and it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of insane um mm-hmm. it, it's it's really crazy um mm-hmm. well yeah, and being I mean, like i was out i was out in the woods this last weekend so i went on this like primitive camping trip and and i'm looking around and we're like in some just like uh, north texas grasslands um mm-hmm. you know so the forests aren't big i mean there's trees there are forests but they're small and but it, you know we're, we're going around and like the teacher was just like here you can eat this you can eat this thing this you know this is in season here this is where you know and showing us how to do like fire from essentially like if you had a knife um you know just making a fire kit which is like you know the bow and everything you know and I, mm-hmm. it, it was like i i sort of it was the first time in my life i sort of sat down and was like oh the earth has everything that we need like there's no and it's so there's such an overabundance of everything that we need um it was like it was like surrounded by wealth it was it was mm-hmm. very strange now it wasn't uh, but you but you have to know how to live in it and that's the thing is that uh, you know um so it's it it just reminded me of um you know industrialization and these building cities like this and then jobs how will disconnect you from the land and then um you you can't even go back to it you're dependent mm. on on the system now mm-hmm. because if I were to quit my job tomorrow, we probably would have two months in the house. Yeah. Uh, and then probably three or four months, the cars would probably get taken up. And it's like, well, I can't, I can't do, if I don't have a place to live and I don't have transportation, I can't do the things that I want to do to make money. So um, like comedy or like writing or whatever else, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just, it was just, it was really bizarre. Um, Cause, and, and maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a big part of it is I, I resent, <laughs> I resent the fact that I have to go work for somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. I think that might be a part of it. I think it comes oh, yeah. actually pretty natural. So. That's completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I see, I, well, this is me and my, my optimism that, which isn't realistic <laughs> at all. Um, but it's just like, I mean, there's, there's so much rich material there. I mean, there's so much content. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think so. Let me see. I, I struggle with my optimism because I know that oftentimes 
I don't know how to say this. Okay, this ain't perfect podcast. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so from my perspective, I'm very blessed. I've been taken care of completely mm-hmm. in millions of different ways. Um, sure. I've and I can also, say the same. Yeah, yeah, I can say I, the same. And I feel like I've also been scheming since day one to build everything mm. that I have. <laughs> so like, mm. I like um, I feel as though. So we have this we have this thing that we teach our students called planning to fail. And I think I started planning to fail just after my junior year of college. It was like, okay, things okay. don't go how I necessarily want them to go. So I need to have my the structure of everything I want built first before I can go get anything else. Mm. And um and it wasn't a like conscious thing. It was just a thing that was in the back of my head kind of trying to take care of things. And as blessings fell in front of me, it was building at the same time. And so my brain always says like where's the foundation and then how can we build off of that? And so mm. you know, when I hear your, what you're sharing, you know, to me the foundation is the realism and reality of the rat race and the optimism is is um just finding a unique character personality reality in that and and creating that person or that character and then presenting them to the world to see what people think about them and Mm -hmm. i I just feel like in this era you could go from not a writer to a writer in 18 months easily Mm -hmm. and um i think you could get energized about your job if you are unearthing content out of it. Like what is going, what bullshit is going to happen to me today? So I can document this, take this down. And then you could survive for 18 months in a job you don't like because you're building a foundation for optimistic Mm. future that you could build. And, and it Mm. could literally happen, which is also so amazing about our country and the world and the times. And so, um, I literally was just thinking of similar to Pete Holmes of crashing. It's just like you are very presently aware that this isn't what you need to be doing, but you have to yeah. do it. And that yeah. is conflict. That is. And now that we know that's the core to any story, right? Mm. It's then who yeah. is this person? What keeps them going? What what makes it funny? Because they do have to keep going, but they don't want to keep going. And it's mm-hmm. just and just coming up, you know, we could just talk and come up with ways to make that so clear. And so then you are writing a pilot or you're right, like you're taking everything from work and, and it's work is now the passion project that you didn't even know it was. And you mm. just you just suck the life out of work or that's probably not the best way to say it, but you you pull everything out of it and, and put you. it into what you want. And and um, and then we, next thing you know, you have a really good story that might get picked up, you know, might get sold and then you're not doing that thing anymore. And yeah. um, that's using all the animal, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> using all yeah. parts of the animal for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I hear you. And I, I think I think that part of this is I don't have a direction. So even with the podcast, like this, this is, has been such an organic thing that like, you know, we've, we've had a few conversations about where we want to go and like, but it feels more like we're holding pattern or I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah. And and also too, comedy's opened back up. So both of us have like, okay, so we're, yeah. So that we got it. We got to make space for this and that and how that works together. And I guess, I guess 
I just don't have a direction. Like I don't have mm -hmm. a goal or a, you know, a focus. Cause if I'm focused, if I'm focused all or have something to focus on, like it happened in sports, it happened in, it happened in my career, it happened in comedy. Like I, in sports, like um, the last sports stuff I did, I, I tried to walk on in high school um, or whatever walk on, like <laughs> uh, <laughs> try out in high school. Mm -hmm. And they set up, I think I told you the story, didn't I? About my basketball Go stuff. ahead. I don't, uh, I don't recall. Well, no, it's okay. Um, so no, so I, they're like, you need to get your field goals this, this many, you need to get so many rebounds, so many assists, so many, you know, just points in general. Mm-hmm. And I hit every single one or exceeded every single one. By the end of the tryout period, uh, it was like a six-week tryout thing. You do scrimmages, drills, all this stuff. And I hit every one or exceeded every one. I, I knew and played like street ball with all the, everybody on varsity. Like I, I, I was a varsity player mm -hmm. and, um, he, he cut me and or he, he said, no, I can't have you on. And then they brought in a guy who didn't need to be on the court, whose mother was the head of the, um, fundraising for the basketball mm -hmm. team and she, or the athletic department. And, you know, I, I felt bad for him. I, I didn't blame him because I, I knew he had, he really didn't have anything to do with it, but he wasn't a good basketball player and he never would be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he was, he was as tall as me and bigger than me, but he was just a, he was an oaf. Like he, no, he, uh, <laughs> no, I understand. I, I, I'm I don't a mean the derogatory. I've seen, seen yeah. Those students. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he was a, he was a football player and he needed to be on the football team, mm -hmm. uh, but he wasn't really fast. So it's, it's, it, you know, he's just, he's just big guy who probably maybe powerlifting or something. There's some, something that, you know, he could do. But, and I just quit. I just quit. And I was like, I felt so disrespected. And so like, what am I working on? What am I working toward? What am, what mm -hmm. am I doing here? Um, I'm done. I'm not going to play sports anymore. And that was, to me, that, that was a mistake. I should not have, I don't think I should have done that. I think I should have, but I found acting after that soon after. So, you know, that was great, you know, to yeah. find, to be able to step on stage and like, oh, wow, that sing and dance and to do comedy and stuff like that. And by, by the end of my senior year, I just had all that stuff in place and kept going. But it's the same as career, like IT stuff. Like I need to get these certifications and I need to get this knowledge. Mm. I got it. And I, and then I'm just not happy. And it's the same yeah. with comedy. I got this four day got job. It was like, you know, like I said, I cried when I got it. It was an amazing experience. And then all of a sudden it wasn't anything, the, the bullshit that came along with it. I'm like, I, I cannot live. I mean, I just can't. Mm -hmm. So what it, you know, so yeah. I'm hearing the, and you know, the divine, uh, the, the, the truth in the divine, not necessarily what the spiritual beliefs are, things like that, but the North star, the, the ideal it's, mm. it's human. It's, it's, it's designed and baked within us. And, yeah. you know, I personally, I, I'm not sure if this is exactly what you ex have experienced, but it sounds like you have a, you have a goal. You, you find out the criteria to reach the goal. You reach goal, the goal and either, you know, the people around you or, or different pieces of it um, reveal that you aren't being honored as though you reached that goal. Like you aren't even being actualized, right? Oh, Even though sure. you did the things that should have got mm -hmm. you those things. And yeah. um, what I first think of is, um, I think two things. One, I, I, I don't, I think there's something about the ideal that 
we go we want the ideal so that everyone sees that we re- we we reach the ideal it's like a, a mm. social ideal not a mm. personal one and i've read a lot of i don't know philosophy or things where the that first ideal which is a social one is the one we strive for until part of us dies and then it's more of no this is just for me and this is my ideal and i don't mm. care how you see it and that's mm. when we become like the Kobe Bryants who are completely determined and it's just that's what they're going for regardless of what you think of them or how they how you feel about them and then um if you get it and no one cares you care at that point and it's like yeah. uh it's a totally different space and then yeah. i think um the other thing is there's also the you need the next ideal too like Kevin Hart i was listening to him on his podcast and he's always thinking what's next and it's it keeps him from not only stopping but also not having to sit at that disappointment of this doesn't feel like what I thought it was going to feel like. Cause I think mm-hmm. I'm hearing that's how all successes are. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah I think in, so. It, I mean, that's what life's shown me, right? If you achieve a goal, it's not going to be what you think it is. So, mm-hmm. well, shit, then what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Golly, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the things that I, uh, the things that pop up like the show, that, you know, okay, well, I'll pivot then a little bit and just we'll enter this and see what happens. These things tend to be better than mm. turn out better than the goals that I set. Mm-hmm. So is there some providence there or, you know, some sort of divine urging mm. or movement, um, you know, that really awful saying, if you want to, if you want to make God laugh, make plans or whatever, like, mm. um, <laughs> that, that really bums me out. But like, um, it just does that to me, that's such a, if God's your father and, and you and your dad, you make plans and your dad doesn't help. Uh, I don't know, whatever. I just doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't make any, like as a dad, all I want to do is encourage my kids to do, to explore and do what they want to do, you know, mm-hmm. and find, find out their authentic self and genuine self and um, offer their gifts to the world, you know, mm-hmm. and in whatever way they can, whether it's large or small, or whatever, uh, to be content in some way. And I think that's where I'm at is like, what does contentment look like? And what is that? I don't know. Like, I don't have, I don't know. I, I, I was watching. Uh, I watched uh, the Last Dance again, mm-hmm. the Michael Jordan, the the nineties yeah. Bulls documentary, and it's so interesting to see, like you know, Jordan had this insatiable drive, and still does. Like I looked up, I hadn't really followed him over the last couple of years, but I looked up what he's been up to, and he's like motocross, NASCAR, yeah, <laughs> baseball, golf. I'm like, he's and and even when he went to the Wizards, he was still scoring forty points a game. But he wasn't with a championship team and so couldn't carry that, you know. Anyway, uh, but he has this like insatiable drive to get to the thing. And I think I, I have lost some of that because it's like it, it, it feels like I've won some championships and it's just not doesn't satisfy. It's not mm-hmm. it's not what it I thought it would be. And so what do I do I stop playing? Do I do I change what I'm doing? Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, Jordan Peterson has this um, discussion about the ideal and how the ideal is also judgment and how mm-hmm. um, when you reach the ideal, you experience judgment or if you don't reach the ideal, you experience judgment. But regardless, there is no actual contentment with I- with having an ideal. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with with like something whimsically coming up, it's it's almost no judgment. No. And there's no uh, there's no. 
what's the word? Low stakes, essentially, right? So this podcast pops up. It wasn't mm-hmm. on the ideal plan. There's no judgment in it. It's it's yeah. completely whimsical and it's freeing. And mm-hmm. um, and if that has become maybe your ideal, even though you're not aware of it, is that freeing moment, then this is great until it loses direction. And then mm-hmm. you're like, okay, now I'm in this thing again, but I need mm-hmm. that. I need the the free the freedom or the ideal, whichever one it is. And so until you find the next one, you're in a holding pattern, which I think is human psychology yeah. says is dangerous in many yeah, ways. Um, and so it's like, okay, so then what is next? And I think the thing that Jordan has and a very few people have, like I, the, these people are not normal in any way, um, <laughs> is their ideals are never ideal. It's not even good enough. And so they're always pushing the ideal and it's almost like they still haven't achieved the ideal that they were going for in the first place and oh, so they're that makes they're always climbing you know because wow. yeah it's not one championship it's three and it's not three it's six we're gonna do mm-hmm. we're gonna do we're gonna do three more yeah and he still wasn't done because he said if they would have hired me for a, i would i would i would have played again i would have yep. kept going um, it's endless for him. so yeah and so part of me is like well does that breed you know buddha says that breeds discontentment right like that constantly going after what you want that's why you suffer Mm. uh, is because we don't we don't accept things as they are um and then new new thought or sort of like mitch horror which is another guy that i guy that i love he's like i find contentment in meeting goals i find while there is a um and and physical ones like i i i had you know my number that i wanted my bank account taped to my monitor and I, and I got it and I can say I got it and I, I feel that and I can, it, it, it's, you know, very rewarding and, and it, and it spurs me to do the next thing because I know how great that was. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, um, I don't think Jordan kept going because it was an awful experience to get a championship. I think it was mm-hmm. a good experience and he kept going and, and, and wanted to chase that, you know, um, what, what you were saying, I heard the issue with language, right. Is maybe. we don't, we don't speak on the criteria of like the true definitions and criteria of the words we're using. And so Buddha's and would you say Mitch Horowitz? Yeah. So Mitch Horowitz is a new thought teacher. So that's yeah. kind of like new spirituality stuff. Um, it kind of birthed out of, um, uh, Christian science and, mm-hmm. um, some of the, the Paris, like the parapsychology spiritualist movement, sorry, yeah, so spiritualist. I, yeah. I would have, I would have, uh, made that assumption based on just his definition of contentment and his mm-hmm. process towards it. Because mm-hmm. if we're, if we're looking at the spectrum, Buddha is on the right brain religious, um, spectrum far to the right. He's not even mm-hmm. normal either. Like, yeah. like uh, achieving that level of of peace and consciousness and self or uh, acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a far extreme to the right, and I think mm-hmm. Mitch Horowitz is a far extreme to the left, to where they both mm-hmm. meet at contentment, but it's mm-hmm. not the same. It's, it's exactly polar opposites, and yeah. you have to know which one you're aiming for, because if you keep aiming for both, you will be tormented essentially. Because oh, that's that's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent true. You know, try to accept things as they are. And then also strive to change them. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's an awful tension, right? That's an awful tension. And I think that's part of what I, I think. I think what's in me is to change. I, I think that's that's why my stage name is Richard Tower. Um, the Tower card or whatever mm-hmm. um, represents this kind of 
big, massive changes. Mm. And if anybody has known me my whole life, like I do that. Like I will, if I, if I believe in something, if it's, you know, something that, you know, I feel strongly about, I'll dive in and change all my whole life Mm. to, to respond to that. And that's just been me over and over again at the other, but at the other side of that, I got really sick doing that. So I don't know if I was sick doing that or trying to push against. That's interesting. Mm. Maybe that change was not allowed. And so that's what, like, that's the, that's the thing that I, I've kept running up against over and over again. I couldn't make the big changes that I wanted to for the benefit of everybody in the company. And, um, that just, that just wore on me over and over again. So I switched over to the contentment model, like, mm-hmm. okay, well then I'll radically accept everything. Let's just do that and dive into that. And that worked for a while, mm-hmm. but, but then there, there's just something inside of me that I can't control that says, um, you know, you need to go up, you need to go up and you need to, you need to be on You're stage. You're a settler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I okay. mean. No, I mean, that's it's good. built into our DNA in many ways, and it's it's hard to um, fight against it. I think um, mm. you know. No, for so me, is that, huh? Is that, is that manifest destiny? Uh, yeah, coming up through my DNA. Oh man! <laughs> and you know, for me, it's like I'm learning these things, and I enjoy them because um, I think I'm already I'm not Buddha by any means, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm naturally accepting things. Like it's it's I don't have to. I don't have to really stretch myself too much to be content. 2020 was the first time where I had to find this place again. Like it was mm-hmm. not easy at all. And mm-hmm. and everything in me made me get here. Like, like I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think there's such thing as such coincidence that I had no piece in the puzzle. I think mm. it internally, I had to get back to some form of peace because I knew what I needed is this mm-hmm. this type of contentment. And yeah. now that I'm here, you know, I can strive, but I'm not Michael Jordan. I don't even have an ounce of that. But mm. I know that anything is possible. And so right now, my my ideal, my North Star is either Dave Chappelle or Kevin Hart. Mm. The thing that the reason why I like Kevin Hart is because his target always is moving. So mm. to me, he's like a he's like has a a, a jet stream, and I just got to follow the the um, tail of it. Mm. And he did this next, and he did this next, and he did this next because Dave Chappelle's path not followable. I mean, it's just no. you don't mm. <laughs> you can't follow that path. My goal could be to be critically acclaimed in his regard because I think I'm not mm. a Kevin Hart comedian. I am mm. more of a Dave Chappelle comedian. Mm-hmm. But but I can follow Kevin Hart's career. So those are my two mm-hmm. ideals. But they don't have anything to do with um, my 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 self actualization or who I am, where I am. Uh, I don't really measure myself by them. I just follow their path essentially because um, mm. I do feel really at peace with a lot. And that's just and that, that could be my. Uh, well, how did uh, how did Tyson put it? I am. Oh, he said it such a good way of uh, how I didn't. I'm a settler, but not, but not. I don't remember how he said it. I don't know if you remember. Well, you were, you were. Uh, I mean, you, you know, uh, is it involuntary a, settler? Involuntary settler, yeah. Involuntary yeah. settler, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I feel some of that. I, 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 mm-hmm. I authentically feel mm-hmm. like, it, yeah, I'm an involuntary mm-hmm. settler, and there's some truth to it. It seems. Yeah, and that's been on my. That's been the ever since our conversation with Tyson. Um, that's been the at the forefront of my mind. So like, and I'll get weird, and I guess it's okay. 
<laughs> I know you accept me as being as weird as I am, but I just sometimes have a, have a weird time talking about it. But so that that piece, and I'm talking about myself a lot tonight, Chris. I just realized this. Is that weird? What's wrong with that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, That's what this show's about. People want us. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, just struck me. I'm like, well, anyway, um, I'll, I'll uh, yeah. So, so when he said that, you know, when he said that you guys are settlers, uh, Chris, your people were involuntary. Um, I mean, that really shook me. And, and his, his, my last question to him was, you know, how do you, what are white people to do? And he said, end whiteness, right? Those two things have been sitting with me and I, I don't, that feels like my chief principal aim is to become unsettled. Mm. And I don't know what that looks like. Um, it, yeah, it feels like I'm running to this again because how does one do that? Mm. It's a simple, impossible task. How do Did you? <laughs> it's impossible. Right? Uh, how do you? Ending whiteness, I can't do. But yeah. uh, becoming, uh, not becoming. How how does a how does the great great grandson? So yeah. So how does one? How does one? The great, the great great grandson of a settler become unsettled? Unsettled. Yeah. How does how does he become indigenous? If that's a thing that can even possibly happen, or is that like a false? Is that even part? Is that uh, that I could even possibly do that? The hubris of the settler. You know. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be clear. There are many un, un involuntary settlers who have mastered settling. Oh, no doubt, no right? doubt. Yeah, I was Thomas Sewell comes to mind. A hundred percent. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I and, can't, dude. Sorry. He, <laughs> go ahead. No, I I have actually come to a whole new understanding on the black plight because of how it was introduced from from Tyson. It, it's it's no longer this. I, I from from the inside i can complain and say this person is being too white or this person is being too flippant or this person being mm -hmm. too black this person being yeah. from the outside though it's like this person is surviving in the settler's world this person is yeah. struggling in the settler's world like it's mm -hmm. i can't even blame thomas soul for for adapting to the society he's in and yeah. um That's fair. and uh my mom so there's a there's a movie called One Night in Miami. I don't know if you've seen it. I've been holding off to watch it because it did not look entertaining to me at all. I saw the plot. <laughs> I watched it. It's a it's a fictitious night where Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown all meet in Miami to wow. celebrate the champs fight. Uh, they wow. were all in Miami, but the event that was orchestrated. So the, the actual story is not real. But the irony is there's actually no story at all. It is a, have you seen 12 Angry Men? Uh, I have not seen that, no. But I mean, okay. I know the I know the the structure of it, right? So that is basically what One Night in Miami is. It is a debate mm. on humanity, and it, there's no there's no action, there's no plot, nothing goes anywhere, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. um, but it was interesting because Malcolm X is. I mean, at this time in his life that they're depicting, he's in the Nation of Islam, and yeah. um, he is so radically against whiteness. And mm -hmm. then you have Sam Cooke, who is crushing it at, at whiteness, and he's killing the game. And mm. and there's this argument back and forth. And then they have Jim Brown, who says something that was truly remarkable. And I don't know how much of this is even close to how Jim Brown feels, but he said, you know what, Malcolm? I, I don't know what it is about you light-skinned brothers, but y'all always are out here 
trying to tear everything down. Is it because you're mad at yourself? Is it is it the the whiteness in you? Because you're you're clearly high yellow, so like there's mm. white in your family somewhere. Mm. Is it is it you fighting against that and you have to prove how black you are that you are so against whiteness? Because Sam is doing great things, right? And mm. so it's like Thomas Sowell is doing some great things regardless of the criteria that you're like if i remove my criteria and asked if he was successful i don't think there's a question Not of a if he's right and and so so then i put the criteria back it's like okay well what criteria am i using and it and from an unsettled point of view, I'm seeing it now as like this person is in a settler's world surviving in a, as a settler. Like that's what he's doing. And I can't knock him for that because you can die if you don't if you, if you don't assimilate in many ways. There's, it's just so much turmoil. But it also means that if you don't want to be a settler, you can also become unsettled. But we call those people crazy and mad and off the rails and if you choose that you just have to already know that you will be crazy mad and off the rails and you will take your family and go crazy mad off the rails and people will say those things when what really happened is you chose to be unsettled Mm -hmm. and that's how i mean it it was so weird about being this woke and woke's not the right word but unsettled essentially or knowing what that means now i i can clearly see the dichotomies everywhere of mm. how much how much all are arguing it's not white versus black it's settled versus unsettled it's yeah. it's collective versus individualist and it, it just shows up over and over again and they're both right they're just two totally different criterias and you can't hold this it's moving the goalpost if you switch lenses it's a totally different criteria and that person is instantly a failure thomas soul is instantly vile um uh coon right he's a he's against mm. the movement in every way because mm. i'm using this criteria but if yeah. i flip it to america's criteria he's mm. the chosen one and that's what happens mm. the left says this thing about him the right says this other one and being unsettled as i feel like i am at this point with the knowledge that i have and i'm choosing to be settled especially for comedy i gotta build up my that's where i'm being a settler completely mm. um because i want to build something but I'm not looking at people through those lenses anymore. It's unfair. It's it's completely yeah. unfair to judge anybody else. And so if you go mad, I'm proud of you because you chose to be unsettled. You know, like everyone's going to say something, but I'm going to be like, no, like y'all are using the wrong lens. You can call him crazy. I love Kanye. People call him crazy. He's actually yeah. bipolar, but but I don't think he's crazy. It's mm. just he's he's settling. He's an mm. involuntary settler and he's killing the settler game so much so now that he's using the talk and it broke every involuntary settler's heart to be mm-hmm. honest like it just mm-hmm. it broke us but yeah i, yeah. I see it now source code yeah. mm-hmm. what well, the media the immediate image that came to mind was the image of christ i mean that's that's really that's really my understanding of who he is is that is that um uh, he came spoke he spoke to power um it's not always antagonistically and sometimes he was very um, he's very kind and compassionate. I mean, to the to the rich man that said, "How do I enter the kingdom of heaven?" He told him exactly what he needed to do. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't say um, you're bad for having riches, or even that they're. Um, you know, there was no judgment on that. It's like for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to sell all you have and give to the poor. And I think that's 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 a message to settlers. I mean, that's. Mm. But um, and mm. and 
I mean, I think that's what that is. And I think that the, you know, it's, it's when he said, you know, easier for the rich man to enter the kingdom as through the camel through the eye of the needle and stuff like that. I think it's, it's not that these people are bad. It's just that it's almost impossible. Yeah. It's, it's nearly impossible, wiring. you know, and, um, and they killed him for it. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, they called him crazy and they called, they called him a devil. They called him a demon. They said that he's demon possessed. Um, he's a heretic and he's a magician, like a witch essentially mm-hmm. um and then chaos magic baby yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he and then they killed him for it you know like that was the that's the trajectory that we were given in, in the christian faith this is and so i think early on people really really took that in and that's why there were so many martyrs i think that's because because they really lived a way that was antagonistic to the powers that be mm-hmm. and um now christianity is the power mm-hmm. i mean Abby, it's the dominant culture here in america and so it, you know it was in rome and and moved on through europe and now it's doing it's doing the same thing in africa mm-hmm. and um i think the example that we have is is to be a little bit nuts and to be a little bit crazy and to be unsettled but we're not it's the goal so the reward the reward is it, the reward is not prosperity and correct you know what i mean like safety affluence yeah affluence and influence it's maybe influence but that come not not if you were here that's after you're gone (laughs) exactly um so i don't know man i mean that's always that's been the biggest sort of again to use christian language that's the big that's been the biggest thorn in my side is like why are we not living that way as christians when Mm -hmm. i was really in it you know and um it's just because i mean i think you're right i mean it's you know, he, you know, we could say we could probably equate being of the world and being in the world, or, you know, of the world being settlers and um, could probably one to one that, you know, mm-hmm. not being of the world, being indigenous and which is weird, weird to say, because um, that doesn't really that doesn't really work, I don't think. But it makes sense, though, in our language. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. What you're saying. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy yeah. part. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. so then so then. You know, you know, you've got a really good handle on. Like, I know this is. Uh, I'm using this white magic to get me to this place I want to get to. Um, and and I'm I just, intend not to hurt anybody. On like because I'm aware of the the magic too. Yeah, it's like yeah. I know if I'm getting out of line, and I'm I check myself. I, I'm constantly aware of that. And but it is because I I've worked really hard to be aware of what I'm working with, and I love the mm-hmm. magic aspect of it because it just seems more tangible. To explain it that way and mm-hmm. um you can wield it in many ways and i've always been a fan of the idea of magic one i'm just a i i am i celebrate my naivety because i always believed everything i heard was true and mm-hmm. i didn't know how it was true but i knew not to discredit it which is crazy because mm-hmm. i've been that person my whole life from a little kid and it's just that's almost the biggest blessing I've ever got because everything from the golden rule to magic to warlocks to Christianity, <laughs> like no matter how ridiculous it was, astrology, like I believed it all. I believed it all. And that's why when you said chaos magic a few episodes back, it just hit me because it's like, yeah, there's there's a there's some kind of creativeness in the middle of all of these ideas because they're all true. There's there's so much knowledge in them all. And mm-hmm. and so when I'm using white magic, I'm I am like channeling it solely here 
And if it gets mm-hmm. out of line or grows or hurts somebody, like I'm quick to notice and try and rein that in because because the worst part of white magic is that superiority mentality in it. I'm a yeah. good comedian and I have mm-hmm. to fight feeling better than people a lot. And mm-hmm. it's especially at open mics, you know, open mics can be rough right. and it's like, check yourself, dude, you just studied. None of this is your knowledge. This is the world's knowledge. And I've, ex- mm-hmm. I've learned it and I've taken mm-hmm. it in and I'm, I have synthesized it. I'm really good at chaos magic and, and, and taking what I learned and using it. But yeah. I have to remind myself, this isn't, this isn't Chris Beasley. This is just me being aware. And mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. That's really good, man. That's really good. And I guess I, I guess I, what I have struggled with, here we go, is um, I think that I have tried to do the exact same thing in that using that, using the structures in place, kind of going back to our early conversation, you know, showing myself as the best, get, get the best, get in front of everything, be assertive, um, you know, and, and those kind of stuff, that kind of thing, being open and personable, challenging things, talking in a way that people are surprised by uh, in the office settings. And what I, in an attempt to, in that same attempt where you see like, oh, this might be hurting somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to assure that up. I'm going to not, I'm going to, you know, move it over to the side or whatever. I, I was doing that to myself, but not regulating that. So it was hurting me, hurting me, hurting me, hurting me, Mm. but it's what I had to do in order to survive in this, you know, Mm -hmm. this cap capitalist, um, white dominant Christian dominant culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's what I'm reaping Mm. is that you can only hurt yourself so much. You can only until, um, you're either, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can, it just doesn't. And so, you know, I think that's what's, I think that is what's been manifesting over and over again is that I'm allowing, I'm allowing to give more of myself to things because they're the right thing to do for the people, you know, quote unquote, the right thing to do for the people that I love. Um, and it's not, it's, I'm giving too much of, I'm, I'm hurting myself too much. I'm giving mm-hmm. too much of my, uh, and I don't know. I, I don't know what to do with that. Hmm. I don't know. Cause I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have a model of success that I can think of for a person like me. Like I don't have an ADHD, um, you know, someone who struggles with attention to detail in one thing, but like has overly detailed in the other. Um, do you know what your Myers-Briggs is? Um, oh, I think it's an INFJ, I think. Okay. I would I think it's one, one thing that really helped me was when I, I found the ENTP who was a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's insane and not possible. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And I read his book and I said, this dude's a genius. Because everything he can't do, he found someone to do for him. And he and he created his system for it and everything. And it's like, you are ENTP because you didn't try and ever change who you were. You you supplemented who you were. Yeah. And um, it, it gave me an aim. And I think I think Dave Chappelle, that p- people, he hasn't, people have typed him as an ENTP as well. And so I mm. have that kind of model. Um, mm-hmm. But it is really hard to conceptualize it without knowing that language and and that's that's what language is for language is for communication and conceptualizing things that's really all it is and so yeah myers briggs allows me to say dave Chappelle and um i forgot the the billionaire's name um these two people are people who struggle with the same things i struggle with and they mm-hmm. got here and that mm-hmm. that is very important do you think that so this is um this is where I've been stuck is that I've gotten more active in sort of the neurodivergent community, um, you know, 
like reaching out to people in solidarity about, oh, this has happened to me. This is how I think. This is what's going on in my brain. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Um, with like you, your experience of blackness, do you find that like when, when people, when you do that and there's a, like just a lot of negativity, not negativity, but just like they're just getting real and it, but it's like heavy stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel trapped by that in some way? Like, does that make sense? Or have you felt that way? So I will 100% say that I know, I think I know the, exactly what you're ex expressing. So in the Black community, there is a culture that speaks a language that you easily hear about, you talk about, you get into it. It's basically like a 4chan, but it's not, right? It's it's basically a Reddit group, but okay. not, not tangible, right? It just happens. Right. And yeah. in that group, you start becoming that like it's it's it becomes your identity and then you start mm -hmm. seeing it and it's the same way conspiracy theories it, it's just human it's how our brains work um mm -hmm. because everyone is agreeing and, and we're all seeing and saying the same things and then it's like yeah okay this is the world i'm in and i learned very quickly how that impacted me and so yeah. i've i hate i hate it because it also sounds like I'm Uncle Tomming it, right? Like I'm mm. ignoring the plight, but it's for my own sanity. It's not that I say the plight. I'm not a anti-racist. No, that's not the right. I'm not a. I'm not an anti. Like I'm not a denouncer and saying what you see is not real. But I am mm -hmm. also not a person who's going to be speaking it into existence every day. Um, mm -hmm. And that was almost what we talked about with um, two distant strangers. Is like I don't even try and talk about police killings and all these things very much because yeah. I don't want to be the one speaking it into existence. Um, the Imperfect Allies Instagram has pretty much gone cold. But it's also there's so much content that I could be talking about that I no longer want to speak into existence. So it's yeah. it's like yes, I know these things are happening. Cops are killing people. Um, with melanin and i'm aware of it doesn't mean that i need to make it the topic of my conversation every day because i mm. have to survive as a human being as well and it will yeah. take you down a path it, it yeah. just will and i think so that's like, kind of what you're saying yeah so it's like it's true and also i can't live in it 100 percent. is that what you're yeah okay yeah so you not being you not having wanting to or having the capacity to live in it does not mean that it's not true and it doesn't mean that you don't believe that and it's just it's just um, it's not sustainable uh, it's just yeah. to me i found that it's not sustainable unless i go mad in the other direction and i think that's mm. where the revolutionaries or, or you know not all of them succeed not all revolutions actually make it right there's probably yeah. ones happening every day um and i but i don't but yeah it's not sustainable in in what i'm trying to do and what my ideal is and how i'm using the magic that i'm conjuring so mm -hmm. Hmm. that's really interesting man and that's hard i don't i don't know how because that that doesn't fit in either in either side of, of where we find ourselves. Mm -hmm. If you say that that's true, you don't fit with the right. And if you say, I don't live in there, you don't fit in the left. And so mm -hmm. it's like, well, where do, it's not the middle either. It's not, I, I fit a little bit. It's not, it's a different, it's a whole other lane. And, yeah. and I, you know, and maybe that's part of it is, is yeah, I really identify with, with my like learning disabilities or my, my mental illness and stuff. And I, I can commiserate and, and, and really feel seen and I can help people feel seen and understood. And there's, there's time for that, but like living in that, I just can't, it just, it, it's almost like a, well, too much of a good thing. I think, I don't know, maybe well, too much. Of, I, I, don't, I don't know. 
I hear uh, the, mm-hmm. a couple things I hear. The uh, first one is um, there's this quote in Doctor Strange where uh, Julia loves it because he says you never you never overcome your demons. You learn to live above them. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say it that way first is because above typically has a connotation of better than or mm-hmm. of of looking down on. But in this context, it's really um, B- Buddhist in a way. It's it's mm-hmm. it's releasing yourself from those burdens. And so mm-hmm. you have like you said you have the right and the left and you can in the middle isn't where you want to that's be not, you want to be that's above it. yeah that's yeah. the only safe there's no mi- there's no middle there's no middle there really is with this yeah. it, it, there's just not you know uh it's it doesn't exist in a, in a polar society like this right and so you have to essentially learn to live above it but i also believe that what we're in right now and i'm a liberal this is not me bashing how where we are this is just me taking emotional bookmarks of how life was when i was younger how life mm. is now and with the, and without the internet being ubiquitous um having the ability to communicate a shared experience um, is valuable for community building and, and mm-hmm. self-acceptance and self-love. Yeah. But when it grows to dictating what the world looks like, right? When you start using the language as though, and this is why I probably am ADHD. My mom never wanted to get me tested. Uh, I have a lot of struggles. My wife says it all the time. Um, I've, uh, it, it's probably something that I have. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why I feel as though my mom didn't want me um partaking in the language and in the 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 I almost want to say indoctrination but that has a negative connotation but just just really understanding and adopting those things is because then once you've accepted this as who you are it's like what we found with labels like they actually mm. don't mean anything but you start yeah. to use them and then they shape your world and so like being black can completely shape my world I might not even yeah. be with my wife because because being black means this you know like mm-hmm. who knows how you shape your world based on what that label is and living above it means you have the option of using chaos magic you have the option of seeing both and saying this is a true reality that i understand and i can relate to but i live above it and that's a choice and i think the one thing i love about white magic is it was birthed out of living above and having options to make choices as a human being and Mm. some of those things are conflated or lost right but yeah as as my journey right now of feeling like i do have a ability to yield different things and step out of them i see it as the true choice is being able to see these two dichotomies and live above them and be able to communicate to those who are in them and try and pull them mm. up and i think that's what jesus christ and buddha and all these people are trying to do is they see the world they they are above it and they're trying to pull you out but it's really difficult in many ways right you're indoctrinated mm. and you yeah. know more people that speak one way than jesus like how many people actually talk how jesus talked so like mm. there's no way to build that community as as effectively as the communities that we have online and, and reddit groups and things to mm continue the metaphor but but that's kind of how i see it and so i i did and I, I didn't really call you on it or anything but i did hear um some reality building based on your label of like mm. I am, I, I am ADHD, so like this is what I have to contend with. And mm-hmm. it then says, like, what am I supposed to do, right? And that's that's a scary place as a human. That's yeah. I, it's just not a good spot. And and I think I think being black, I've seen that same language. I've seen that. What am I supposed to do? It's yeah. everywhere. Whiteness is everywhere. I don't have yeah. a chance. 
And it's yeah. like, yeah, not thinking that way. You are, it's over already. You have lost. You live in the, you're an involuntary settler, but you, you have to live above it. It's, it sucks, but it's, it, you're trapped otherwise. And I hate, I can't, and that's maybe one thing is I actually have a visceral, uncomfortable, almost claustrophobic feeling of being trapped up here. Like I could be yeah. in a field wide open, but if I feel like I don't have a choice and I'm like, I, I lose it, I go crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel that too, for sure. Yeah. Huh. My car, my, sorry, my cat's getting weird with his toy. You can hear. <laughs> getting it you on. Hear. I'm glad somebody's um, getting lucky. So, I know, right? Um, <laughs> biting the back of its head. It's real gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. No, no but that's that. really... That's really good, man. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it, that's really interesting. It, it has me thinking of, um, how, how they use diagnosis in medicine. Mm. So they'll diagnose you with ADHD, but the only reason they do that is to treat you, to mm-hmm. treat your symptoms, to get you to, to find a way to where you can be, you know, functional, um, and live, a you know, reasonably happy life. Mm-hmm. It's not so that you can be more and more ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's not that you, you know, the diagnosis is, um, we do this so that we can treat the negative consequences of that. So, yeah. so, you know, the white and black thing, um, that, you know, those, those two diagnosis, um, we, we use things like voting and, and, um, statistics, re- statistics and and protests and things like that to treat the symptoms of the of the negative things yeah uh so that you can we can live in a prosperous or reasonably happy country mm-hmm. uh, i think it's the same thing and i i think it's good just kind of talking in our conversation i think that i i really have been wearing my labels lately and 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 really really identifying and it's true and also i don't have to live in the li- <laughs> If I if I'm if I don't have any legs, I'm still in a wheelchair. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't have a abundant life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I even if there's no ramps. If if I have that kind of adversity, I still if I if if you know whatever. If my kids are if this building's on fire, you know, and I'm in a wheelchair and and my kids are inside, I'm gonna I'm gonna crawl to get those mm-hmm. whatever's important for me i'm going to go after and but if i said well i can't because i'm in a wheelchair all, all i can't i couldn't possibly do it um yeah, you die in the fire yeah yeah well i might well i might live i might not go in the fire and live mm-hmm. but what but then i but then i'm missing out on on this wonderful thing that's in my life mm-hmm. so i don't know man i mean it's true it's it, it's it's so that's really interesting that we got there like these things are true and we also don't have to live in them mm-hmm. so it's true that i'm it's true that i'm white but i don't have to live like i'm white mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know like and that's maybe part of what tyson was talking about like you know white says i'm superior white says i'm entitled white says that um you know there's all these different um god has set these different classes up and these different you know species of human or something like mm-hmm. that which which is just not true um you know i don't have to live in that even though the label is on me and, and as much as i would want to i think and again going back to you know, people gave her so much crap, which probably, you know, Rachel Dolezal, like probably true. Mm, you're, you're, I love you're, Rachel though. <laughs> but I understand, I think I really understand what she was trying, like she was trying to fix the problem of whiteness mm-hmm. because, you know, this, the symptoms of whiteness are awful. 
Um, and I think that maybe that's what this is. Now, this may be hard. This may not be inappropriate, but like maybe that's what Thomas, I, I still can't jive with Candace Owens and Thomas will make me upset from time mm-hmm. to time with things that he says, but maybe guys like Thomas Sewell, he's speaking to the two to things about blackness that he sees as like, we real. don't have, yeah, they're, you know, we don't have to live under that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. The diagnosis doesn't mean anything to me. Correct. Um, it, me, being, me being black has nothing to do with um, what kind of music I like or what kind of clothes I wear or or whether or not, you know, I'm what whatever, whatever it is, yeah, you know, whatever it is. At the same time, though, there are real, there are real like, you know, with systemic racism in place in the country from the foundation, like there are real problems there that the diagnosis of whiteness and blackness we have to contend with and have to treat. Mm-hmm. We have to treat it, but not, maybe and, not identify. I don't know. And, and not to, again, I'm prefacing because of the culture we live in. And it's actually good to clarify. I've learned that clarification is healthy. Um, it's like Thomas Sowell is also saying that if we use science accurately and remove the black and white, we can solve the problem more effectively. So he's mm. actually not saying that there's no problem. He's saying right. that why the way you are diagnosing the problem is in, is interfering with the solution. Like, let's say you mm. we you need to be treated with a certain medicine, but this doctor keeps saying your diagnosis is A, when I believe your diagnosis is B. And this mm-hmm. will critically change the treatment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people people give Thomas Sowell bad credit, but or b- bad rap, but I really do... I know this because I've read his book. I know that he wants to treat the problem, but he has a totally different idea for what the problem is. And so it's it is that and I love that you you outlined it that way is we use these this language as a diagnosis to treat something. And I mm-hmm. I believe that could be said to religion. You know, who mm-hmm. knows? I mean, we weren't alive when they but you we need this shit. <laughs> like <laughs> we like we need to put these stories together to treat mm-hmm. this current epidemic. And I don't know what it was like when people said, we need to create this science to treat this current Mm -hmm. epidemic, right? Mm -hmm. And and we've we've come to this conclusion that they are juxtaposed, like they're completely against each other because they are in many ways, but Mm -hmm. maybe they were um, treatments at different times in the evolution of humanity, you know? And because the the book Gene Keys, um, I read it and it it said language, the way it, it changed how I speak in a way or how I think about speaking because it said most of the time you try and communicate to be right about something and Mm -hmm. you use logic to be right about something but that's not what logic was intended to do logic was intended to help clarify and communicate that is Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. and i think we have lost that fundamental piece about what we're trying to do we're trying to say well you're right or wrong and Mm -hmm. it's what the truth is is i see a different diagnosis and i'm trying to treat it one way you see a different diagnosis and you're trying to treat it another way some people use religion some people use culture and it's all helpful i think Mm -hmm. well and also too i mean i have a one-to-one for that like my doctor treated me for depression and anxiety for years Hmm. for years and years and years and i've had you know i was diagnosed as as depressive as a kid like low grade at some it's called something but low grade depression like my baseline is lower they've always lower. said your baseline is lower than everybody else's or mm-hmm. like neuronormative folks well come to find out like after years of treatment and work and all this stuff i mean my doctor after i don't know he's worked with me for probably he's been my doctor for about six years mm-hmm. and he's like i think you may have struggled with depression but i think you're your real issue is ADHD. And as soon as he started treating me for that anxiety and depression, like not, they didn't like 
ah, oh, go away. Mm-hmm. But like it was completely different because I was treating, I was treating this diagnosis. So ADHD for me, like I, you know, I work in spurts. I can't, I, I will not be able to successfully do a 10, 11, 12 hour day unless I'm fixated on it. So mm-hmm. comedy, I can, I can fixate on it and I can, I can just go and go and go. I can write mm-hmm. and write and write, you know, we'll, our, during our comedy buddies, we'll, we'll put an hour and then all of a sudden it's two hours. We're like, oh crap. Okay. <laughs> and that's what, if I can fixate on it, you know, that's, that's different, but everything else, like I don't have the, it, my brain just, it runs hot. Like it just yeah. goes and goes and goes. And I have all this stuff and I'm, you know, even in meetings and things, I'll they're like, Hey Richie, what do you want to bring up this week? I'll have five different things that I'll try to talk about at once. And I'll be exhausted at the end of that meeting. If I try to do that, mm. unless instead of treating the problem and being like, okay, I'm going to work for a little while and I'm going to take a break and I'm going to work for a little while and take a, and do that sort of where I can, get my reserves up and then the medication is different too the medication um it works on a completely different part of the brain and it it um it gets my brain to slow down a little bit um to where i can focus on mundane tasks and be Mm -hmm. okay um but again like at the end of the day with at the end of the day medication i still i'm still exhausted so i have to like do all this this self-care stuff to treat this diagnosis Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean that's that's really that is a one-to-one so it it was and and was the original diagnosis malicious no i don't think so i don't think so not at all i mean they they were treating the symptoms that's what what symptoms are you displaying like can't get out of bed he's you know suicidal and uh, all all these things Uh, you know constantly having panic attacks and I mean, I haven't since I've been I've been treated for ADHD with medication and like other other things mm-hmm. for two years, and I haven't had a panic attack in two years. I was having a panic attack at least at least every three months, which is wow. not a lot for people that people with panic disorder, right? Right. They they but can have still. them all. But yeah, so, but at the same time, like my anxiety levels are super low. Um, this the last couple of months has been really difficult, but I think it's more from like moving from the super isolated place to the super more public place and all the mm-hmm. stuff that comes with that. Like, I think it's sort of natural process to the transition, but that's really got me thinking about that. Cause, it, cause if you told me I wasn't ADHD, if you told me, uh, you know, if somebody told you you weren't black, you go, you know, what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> I'm black yeah. as hell. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I'll go down, ADHD, even, yeah, yeah, double yeah, down. Yeah, and I'm ADHD as hell. Like I, mm-hmm. I know it, but it, and at the same time, <laughs> not mm. but, but and at the same time, uh, that label. If I, if everything is through that lens, well, I can't do that. I can't do that because I, I have a, uh, you know, uh, wh- whatever it is, whatever symptom it is. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, paralysis of will or um, whatever, whatever it is. And you can um, kind. Of, do you agree that we're kind of in that stage as a culture? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. people are saying, you're, you know, people are saying, you know, Black Lives Matter uh, on the right. They're saying, well, that doesn't even, that's not even a thing. Like that's mm-hmm. every, everybody's lives matter. It's ridiculous that you even think that. But they're diagnosing a specific. I mean, that's a diagnosis for a specific experience. Yeah. And it's, but I also like how you said they're treating the symptoms. And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to, okay, I agree with Thomas Sowell. I'm going to say that part first. So you, mm-hmm. so listeners, you can judge what I'm saying based on your perceptions of him. That's perfectly fine. Or you can listen mm-hmm. based on your perceptions of me. That's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I like about what Thomas Sowell has said about the, tr- the symptoms of blackness 
is that these symptoms also show up in um uh what is it eastern what 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 uh what what it's east far east asia is east right yeah sure um eastern europeans suffer a lot of mm. similar experiences as the black mm. um experience and um and they, in they have been historically systematically oppressed 100 percent, absolutely yes. from both sides from russia from, and from europe yeah correct and so mm. um the reason why uh thomas soul brings them up is to remove race out of it and you mm. can so you can speak to the experiences right and i think mm. I, I i think it's vital from if you look at Thomas Sowell's diagnosis, right, he's he's saying the issue is something. It's not race. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously those are two different cultures, Eastern Europe and America. And, and so the experiences, though, are, are similar and there's similar uh, symptoms showing up. But I don't know how much of um, I don't know how much of black America is uniting themselves with Eastern Europeans and saying, what have they done that's worked so that we could do those things? And in mm. Thomas Sowell's book, he details how certain initiatives have improved the lives of Eastern Europeans. And he mm. brings up how when those things are introduced here, they're deemed racist or they're deemed mm. they, they're labeled something and they're no longer being able to treat the problem because mm. of how it's being presented or what you've diagnosed it as. And so granted, you know, Thomas Sowell is very flippant sometimes. And that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's, the, what it, the, that's what it gets me when he's just like gives those short answers. I, I, I was trying to watch him and I was like, dude, I can't. Yeah. So dismissive. It's so yeah, exactly. Dismissive. <laughs> but, 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 but imagine if, if you have an expert who's an expert in ADHD and someone's like, I think this is depression. And it's like, you don't know. This is this yeah. is ADHD, and I, I've yeah. seen it. I know what it looks like, and and so it's it, it, you become arrogant, and that's almost the issue with how settled Thomas Sowell is, right? Mm, <laughs> is yeah. um, it, but we're all we all suffer with that 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 same sure. arrogance of settled mentality. Um, yeah. But but I I have to believe that I'm interpreting Thomas Sowell's books and information very well, mm-hmm. and I I think he diagnosed the actual disease, mm. not the symptoms. And I think mm. that's a miscommunication. Mm. Um, and I think I love what people are fighting for because I know the intentions, but I do also notice how some of the the uh, ointments don't treat the problem. It's like yeah. you you you've just put a Band-Aid on a on a, a open gash that is not going to do mm. anything, or it's an internal wound and you put a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> like that's mm. definitely not going to work. Um, but you mm. have acknowledged that there's something hurting inside, and I appreciate that, right? Yeah. And yeah. Thomas Sowell is like, you don't need a Band-Aid. Stop. Right. And it's just it's it's mm-hmm. it's miscommunication and it's frustrating. Yeah. But I, I believe that's what's happened. Mm. That's really good, man. I mean, I think that's that's pretty astute. I think I think I can hear people saying, well, are you saying blackness is a problem or a disease or whiteness is a disease? And and that's tricky um, because uh, I would not choose I would not choose to not be ADHD. Say that again. I would not I, choose. I would not to- choose to not 
have ADHD. I got you. Given the choice between not having it and having it, um, I am I am proud in some way of my mm-hmm. neurodiver- neurodivergence mm-hmm. um, because I can see a lot of the wonderful things that it's produced in my life. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that I'm good at improv is ADHD. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that I can that I can riff on stage is ADHD. Part of the reason I'm so creative is ADHD. So there's all these good things, just like there is in black communities. There's all mm-hmm. these good things, but I, you know, there are there are symptoms, and I, and I I don't know that there's a lot of goodness in whiteness, and that's the that's the that's the problem. Really, whiteness? Yeah, yeah. I I just I mean I think. I think maybe the a little bit of individual empowerment. Mm, that's you huge. know what I mean. Like, so maybe that's something. That's the there. part of white magic I'm in love with. Okay, so maybe there is a good thing there. Uh, I I would agree. That is Amazon. That, is, that has <laughs> yeah, but that has really had detrimental effects. People have used that in really really harmful ways. So true. Um, so. Including and up up to and including genocide. So it's like there it is a there is a benefit of having that, but it it also uh, yeah it could also turn yeah. pretty quickly. Um, so I don't know, man. I, it's it's a weird thing to talk about it like a, a disorder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, well, I think it like because what I was hearing was I mm-hmm. I don't know how much you would like. I I totally agree with you of you own that label and that diagnosis and you you feel proud right like yeah if, yeah if we're being honest blackness technically is not real but it uh, but it's it's um a diagnosis of something that we have all agreed of what it was it's melanin right yeah you know yeah that that is real right and um yeah. and there are so i don't know if i've shared this before but i was doing research on this because me and my wife uh, deal with different things and um sign like medically um mm. and so there's been research that if you are um ice age descendants and that means you were more nordic um mm-hmm. or up north during the colder times of earth yeah you're you're because you're because your genes survived otherwise you would have died right so those mm-hmm. the the genes that survived are the ones that learned how to adapt and make food and energy source for heat so when northerners eat food their body digests it and turns some of it into instant energy into heat where black people who or melanated people who did not experience an ice age nearly to i mean it's impossible Mm -hmm. if you're on the equator um never needed that and so what happens is high caloric foods actually don't turn into heat they turn into storage turn mm-hmm. into fat. And so we mm-hmm. live in a society now that has, is, I mean, starving to death is hard now, right? And yeah. you have these high caloric meals um, that are produced, but black people are experiencing diabetes, blood, high blood pressure, all these other things. Yeah. And yes, there's a more stress environment. There's the other things. And you can yeah. say that you can, you can see the symptoms and be treating the wrong thing as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. And from this research, it's it's almost suggesting that because we're all eating the same diet, because we all live in the same places, um, we are unaware that a high caloric diet for a black person is way more detrimental than a high caloric mm-hmm. diet for a white person. Mm-hmm. Because genetically, we have adapted differently due to the homes that we um, come from most relatively recently, even though we're talking millions of years. And so yeah. what that does is it, 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 without that information and that knowledge, you will be treating things poorly. And um, it's also true that my wife blows the air condition and then eats. She'll just eat through it. 
and she feels perfect. I mm. eat, I feel nothing. I'm still freezing. <laughs> like, mm. And it's mm. like, how, how are you? It, are you, like, I, it doesn't make sense. And now I had to learn, like I had to try and understand, but mm-hmm. that's a simple situation. And so when I think about, you know, being ADHD, it's like, Yes, the label is amazing and beautiful and you're proud of it. But if you don't understand um, how it impacts you, you could be trapping yourself or misdiagnosing something or um, creating an unhealthy um, environment for others. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's okay to know the limits of that label and not Mm. not be so proud. I mean, not proud. You can be proud. It's just, but I guess white pride is scary. So I feel like any pride can be dangerous. That's that's Mm -hmm. kind of what settler mentality is right in a way yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure man it's a i mean and it's it's a it's a superiority i mean that's really what it is that's that's whiteness's problem blackness uh was was you know black culture today was not black culture 100 years ago not even what's been what's been done is right and that's why your grandparents were like i don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) you know what i mean yeah (laughs) Because there, this the culture is is shifted so dramatically. It's like no, this is this you know, black is beautiful and it, and it's and it's strong and it's powerful and it's all due to blackness. And that's to survive. Um, and that's absolutely and 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 uh, you know, I can agree with you know, I can agree with that. Absolutely, that's true. Like it's 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the same at the same time, I think that we've hit on something that there are things that um, if we if we solely identify with our labels then then there's no room for movement there's no room for growth you can't you can't grow out of you know you can't grow outside of stay in your lane i mean that's basically what that is and that's the exact thing that racism is stay in your lane you know you, you, don't, you don't belong here yeah. like you don't even know you're consuming it when it's pitched yeah. in this way which is something that many conservatives say about black pride and about white pride and about uh, ADHD pride. It's, it's your force feeding your own, um, uh, segmenting, um, segregation, right? It's, it's yeah. like now you're, you're a proponent of the thing that you were fighting and mm-hmm. you don't even know it. And, um, yeah. and there's truth to that too. It's, it's, that's why the whole Buddhist reality of living above something and the, the Dr. Strange uh, is where that, quote came from when mm-hmm. i shared earlier mm-hmm. because living above it does not mean that it doesn't exist it and it allows you to appreciate and accept your your labels mm-hmm. but also mean i say they're also meaningless right mm-hmm. and that's powerful that's mm-hmm. i mean that's superhero yeah well i mean i don't i mean for me meaningless seems a little strong for me it's more about you know if i have cancer i'm not a i'm not a cancer patient i'm a human who mm-hmm. has cancer you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah um i mean i i don't know man it's it's hard it's hard it's just hard to it's hard to to you can't like you said earlier man you can't do both (laughs) (laughs) you can't accept everything as it is and just or or be totally focused on making change um it's hard that i don't know so i guess that's so so maybe what i'm hearing in conservative thought is we got to get rid of those labels but what what's being communicated is we got to get rid of identity mm-hmm. yeah you got to get rid of your identity and that there has to be a way where identity can stay intact 
and the labels that are so oppressive um, can be so discarded or when I think of comedy, I think the number one skill you have to have is communicate your identity immediately. Mm -hmm. But then say like, I'm just like you after, after that, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and and that's why living above it is to me, like, I think conservatives Mm -hmm. are trying to say live above it, but they don't have that language. And I think um, it comes across, it comes across as snarky and dismissive every time. And it's like, what are you guys like? It's just like, it's like a parent saying, do it because I told you to. Now, sometimes they have to, because it's an emergency situation, but most Mm -hmm. of the time, most of the time, you know, as you get older and have a, you know, more dialogue, you can understand what your parents were thinking, you know? Right. And that's what conservatives say is you will be like me one day. Like you will eventually understand what I was saying, which is unfortunate too, because that doesn't, that doesn't actually build a bridge. That's almost that same. Once it personally affects you, you will understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Like that's, that doesn't work right. Like we need to be able to effectively communicate. And I think I think it is impossible if you don't even know you're a settler or not. Like I I think there there's a a skill. That's what it is. It's not like knowing you're a settler or not isn't really the key, but it's the skill to know what it's like to look at yourself. Yeah. It's the, it's that skill of being under and and obviously hold on let me preface. Someone told us that we were we were settlers, right? Like so now I can see myself as one. And we mm. were talking about this in this group I just joined. It's a comedy group, and they talk about um, as a comedian you should ask people what you look like so you okay. know what to how to identify yourself because you're so mm-hmm. in it it's really hard to do right so mm-hmm. you know tell me what i look like so i can address it on stage and i think mm-hmm. it's the same thing as tyson said you don't know what you're, you're y'all are settlers that's what you look like you're settlers mm-hmm. like, oh mm-hmm. huh. you know <laughs> yeah and now we we can handle yeah, ourselves shocking. differently mm-hmm. that's true that's good man that's good wow wow man yeah, and I mean, and, that, yeah. but we also trusted him. We didn't feel offended. Is another piece of, of him calling yeah. us settlers. That was important. Right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and we asked and we engaged and and he wasn't banging on our windows saying, "Hey, settlers." <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Ooh, um, yes. He wasn't burning crosses in our yard and uh, all that crazy stuff. You know, what I mean, I, I don't know because um, I yeah, conservatives know what they're going through. Like they know, they know this, the, like the steps or whatever they're taking that they're trying to stay in power and they're, they're losing their sort of central message. And you could hear it in Gerald. I can hear it with my personal relationships, you know, the people that in my life that are conservative, like that there is a voice in that party and in that sort of mindset that they're losing something. And I think, I think that you hear that. I think you can hear that in all kinds of different groups that that people will say like well that's not exactly it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but i but i can't i can't call out um you know minister farrakhan because if i call him out then i lose part of what it is to be what i am mm-hmm. you know or if i am a conservative and i call out mitch mcconnell i lose some something or Trump or whoever, I lose something as a conservative because you see what happens. Like they're going after those folks are now going after Cheney and, and all the other people that have like voted to impeach and all this stuff in Romney, people that are, I would consider mainline sort of traditional conservative dudes, people. Um, so there is that too. Um, and, and I think that we lump them all together and that's just not, because there's not a monolithic, there's not a monolithic conservative culture. There's not a monolithic white culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, black. It doesn't matter. 
liberalism. I mean, it's just, and we we form these big groups to to get to change things in the way that we think they need to be changed, um, based but, on our diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So is that what it is? It's just bad bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And it's you really touched on the the hard part is also you allowing me to diagnose you. Mm. You know, and mm. like if I said, "Hey, Rich, you got ketchup on your shirt," you mm. won't feel offended because you know right. you can remove that. Yeah. But yeah. if I tell you something that you feel like you can't remove, you yeah. instantly feel well. Attacked. Whiteness, whiteness. Yeah, hundred percent. Somebody calls me white, man. It sucks. But, I mean, it just we sucks. Just talked, we just talked yeah. about you can remove that. Like yeah. you know, like it's not. It's not the label doesn't have to define how I right. live my life. Yeah, correct. And that's yeah. a different. Like, how do I even tell you? Like, how do I say, hey, you're being white right now, which is okay, mm-hmm. but you actually don't have to be. Like, and that's kind of what <laughs> that's what conservatives are trying to. That's what conservative black people have been trying mm-hmm. to say, right? Mm-hmm. And it always comes off horrible. Like, how do mm-hmm. you even say, yo, you're being hella black and i just want to let you know you don't have to you, mm. you can just be you who are you yeah i'm hella are, black yeah, right. uh, i don't okay. know if that's true <laughs> but okay <laughs> okay i mean yeah okay. you know if you are that's cool i mean hey <laughs> uh but i get i get that and i think this episode will be <laughs> uh pre-canceled man i mean you know you can't talk this way you just can't this is talk hard. this way yeah so but it's it's a neat uh, obviously we've been talking for two hours it's a needed conversation so so yeah i mean any i i think it's a good stopping point um something to definitely reflect on and maybe partly like why so many people had a hard time with labels you know what i mean like they as a, we in our show what, yeah in our show what what is there was there was half of our audience has been like well i mean i guess i'm this <laughs> yeah yeah and then the other it's it's actually i'm this i'm proud or mm, yeah I, I would identify as this like mm-hmm. it it was either or um and it's just we definitely found that it had nothing to do with anything which was mm-hmm. that was that was probably the most interesting part is we that question started to feel empty you know mm-hmm. I, I i'm sure it actually communicated to a listener i can listen to, i can resp- it's like an authority thing actually and maybe that's mm-hmm. almost what it is right now it's like i have the authority to speak on this because this is my label yeah um, oh for sure for sure yeah yeah that's absolutely what we're going through yeah absolutely part of and that's part it. of everything yeah if i can Man. speak from this place yeah but i do which is i tr- think oh go ahead go ahead i was gonna say which is true i mean you know i, I want to hear about a woman's experience from a woman i don't want to hear mm-hmm. about it from a man i want to hear about black, black experience from black people and not other you know unmelanated folks <laughs> yeah and and maybe we didn't uh, understand that that's why we were asking i because honestly i was asking it to see what i could learn from that question but really it's just a label to a to a, to authenticate your experience right mm-hmm. it's yeah that's what it, mm. that's what that because then i'm okay with asking that question if that's why see it, again it comes back to that diagnosis like why are we even asking this because if we don't know we won't mm-hmm. get what we were intending to get from it mm-hmm. yeah for sure man for sure mm-hmm. it's a good episode i'm gonna <laughs> enjoy working through because we went from venting about yeah. work to self-actualization to labels <laughs> to what like ah, this is beautiful it was a i, I really enjoyed the, the the path it was a good one yeah for sure man for sure it's just sticking with each other and listening to each other and you know uh 
yeah, hearing it and, and, and it's yes. And in each other's ideas in that, like, okay, so if that's true, what else is true kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. Um, and that's it. I mean, that's good. So awesome. Man. Well, thanks for talking to me, Chris. It's good of to course, see you. Rich. 